The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. It's not what's taught, but caught. I want you to keep that in your mind because my question to you would be this. What are impressionable minds catching from what you have no intention on teaching? What are others catching from what you don't mean to teach? In essence, how are you living in such a way that people watching you are picking up on things that you don't really mean for them to pick up? So let me, let me bring you uh, into the average home, maybe even my home, where the conversation or the, co- the moment goes something like this. All right, pick up the toys or turn off the TV or close the computer or go to bed, right? And then, and, and, and then it's like, honey, please pick up the toys, clean up, get to bed, or stop doing your homework, get upstairs, get ready for bed, get to bed, right? And then five minutes later, you're like, I said, turn off the TV, or close the computer, or stop the homework, or clean up, and get to bed. Five minutes later, I thought I told you to clean up the toys. I told you to go to bed. That's it. When I count to three, you better clean up these toys. One, two, three, three and a half, four, five, six. That's it. You wait. When daddy gets home, right, you, you've seen that you've done this over and over. You did this today. You did it this morning. Some of you, like right now, like trauma is starting to kick in. You're like, ah. <laughs> um, you know, like in my experience, most parents feel insecure about parenting. Like nobody, uh, like nobody, like when they're in the early stages of parenting, like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write a book about parenting. We're all like crossing our fingers going, even if it's going well, we're scared to death to tell anyone it's going well for fear that we're going to mess it up and, and then be like, well, I should have never said anything. I'm going to change this whole thing. You know, like, or like if, if your oldest child's doing really good, you're kind of scared because you're like, well, one of them is going to be a horror. You know, I, I think most of us kind of go through parenting feeling like that. And I think a lot of parents also are driven by guilt or by pain that they carried from their own childhood. And before you just check out on me, okay, if you're not a parent and you're like, I, I don't really you know, need to listen to this. If you're not a parent, don't check out because every one of you have influence. Every one of you have the ability for others to catch stuff from you that you didn't mean for them to catch. You're not trying to teach it, but people are catching it. And so every one of you have influence. And so I want to talk very broadly about influence, but I'm going to leverage the idea of parenting to get there. Okay, so every one of you have the ability to influence others. You're, you're in essence parenting others by what they're catching from how you live, but I think parents carry the great weight, the great responsibility of that. And so yes, today I'm gonna have the, I wanna have a hard conversation or an honest conversation about a hard topic of parenting, including discipline. So for Laura and I, I mean, I think when it started out, we thought having one child was kind of tough, but when we look back, it was relatively easy 
to, to parent one child. No offense to those of you that have only children. Um, but, you know, it was kind of like we had two-on-one defense. Like, it was good. And, you know, like, we, we could take turns. I could kind of bail Laura out. She could still get a shower, and I could have the little one. Uh, and then number two came along, and suddenly, you know, you can kind of see it, right? It was kind of man-on-man. And, you know, you've got one. I've got the other one. And then from three on, you're like in zone. It's zone defense. And for us, it's like, it goes something like this. All right, you take those three, I'll take these three. Okay, it's sort of like, we're way outmanned. Uh, every once in a while we pull one of our girls in to kind of step in as a proxy parent so that we can get a little, at least a little bit of like three on three or three on four, you know, maybe we got a little bit of an advantage. Um, but you, you see what I'm saying? Like it, the, the, uh, the, uh, the challenges keep getting greater. People have asked us, you know, what it's like having six kids. We're like, I don't know. I, I, we have six kids? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> um, I, I, have, I have jokes, so this is a joke. All right, our campuses don't boo me. I, <laughs> like, I didn't think we were doing a very good job with five. How did we end up with six? But um, the people have pulled us aside, and they're like, we need to talk to you about that. <laughs> um, but here, here's the deal, right? I think most of us feel a little insecure. We carry some pain. We carry some fears. We're all a little worried that our kids are, kids are going to end up needing therapy. Um, after, and when they become adults, just like we did <laughs> from our parents. And uh, mom and dad, I love you. Thanks for being part of Lifehouse. It's been a fun run. Appreciate it. Um, but, you know, I do. I think that a lot of parents feel this way. And, and now I'm going to make it a little bit more complicated because there are some challenges to this. How do you know how to, how to be a good influencer? How do you know how to be a good parent in a culture that never says that's bad parenting? Ever. I mean, you can raise a psychopath and no one ever goes, yeah, that probably wasn't very good parenting. They don't. No, you know, they go, well, that kid, that person had a problem, they had a disorder. And I'm not making light, please hear me. I'm not making light of mental illness, of real disorders. What I'm saying is, it makes it complicated, doesn't it? Because now, if there's never bad parenting, then how do parents know what's good and bad? Like, if anything goes, well, then you're like, well, what is the right way to do this? What's the wrong way? Like, I don't want my kids to end up like that. Well, how do I avoid that? Especially in an environment where we say every behavioral issue is just a disorder. And you can treat it with just chemical response. I mean, you just give them medication. And again, I'm not making light of a need for medicine or for treatments. What I'm saying is this complicates the challenge of parenting. Because now you're trying to discern, well, what is good parenting? What is bad parenting? If it's just, if, if every behavioral issue is just a chemical imbalance or is just some disorder, then maybe parents have no responsibility at all. And all I'm saying is this, um, maybe there are good and bad ways of parenting. And that's what I want to talk about. And so my, I want to start with this challenge. Um, realize that 42% of kids are growing up in a home without their biological mom and dad, 42%. It's a huge number. Again, not pointing fingers, we're not judging. We're saying that's just a reality in our culture. 25% of kids are growing up in a home without a related male figure. It's a big number. And so what I'm saying is, you know, is that, does that mean a single mom can't do a great job being a mom? No, she just can't do a great job being dad. 
right? Like it's just hard to be a dad and a mom at the same time. And some of you are single moms and you're doing a, an incredible job, but you, you're the first one to say, but man, it's hard doing both jobs. And, uh, and it's hard trying to raise kids it, when, man, you can't tag team it. And, and you don't have the support you need. And what I'm simply saying is, is fatherlessness in our culture okay? Was there a better way? And so here's what I'm doing. I want to bring you to a, a passage, scripture in the Bible. The context is this. The Apostle Paul went to the city of Ephesus, a city with collapsing social structures. There was a pervasive sexual exploitation, prostitution, a breakdown in the family units. Men didn't, fathers weren't being fathers. Moms didn't know the role of being a mom. And so there's a breakdown in social structures. And the Apostle Paul is telling them about Jesus and how Jesus is relevant in their everyday lives. And then he moves on and he's helping start other churches. Eventually he's in prison. And from prison, he writes a letter back to the church in this city of Ephesus, talking to them about how you can live out the love of God in a practical way. How God's love, affects your uh, marriage relationships, how it affects your sexuality, how God's love affects parenting. And so I want to do is I want to bring you to this passage in the letter to the church of Ephesus found in the Bible where the apostle Paul is writing about parenting. And he, he, he writes this way, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. So he's quoting this commandment from the book of Exodus in the, you know, in the ancient part of the Bible um, in the Old Testament. He goes, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that, you may, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. And then he continues and he says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in training and the instruction of the Lord. And so right here, the Apostle Paul leans in and he goes, I want to I unpack what it looks like to love in a home and how you can take the principles of love and apply them to parenting. And so what, what do we do? How do we take this and make this practical in our lives as, as parents and as influencers? And the key is this. I want to give you a principle and I'll explain how we're going to live this out in daily life. The principle is this. What is the goal? What is the priority of a parent? Here is the priority. To gradually shift the needs, the, the need for your children to need you onto God. So whatever, here, here's how you can write it down. Gradually shift their need from you to God. That's the goal of a parent. I want to shift my kids from needing me to needing God, to knowing how to depend on mommy and daddy, to learning how to depend on God. That is literally the entire priority of a mom and dad. That's our goal, is to move their dependence from us to God gradually over time. You can't abandon them. You don't just kind of throw them out into the wild world at five years old. No, over time, you're gradually shifting their dependence on you to God. And that feels hard, not just hard. I would go so far as to say, this parenting thing feels impossible. I mean, adulting is hard. Parenting, <laughs> exactly. Parenting is almost impossible. In fact, I would go so far as to say it is impossible because you're not just, <laughs> the raw material you're working with when it comes to a kid, is not fundamentally good. 
And this is going to come as a mind-blowing realization to some of you. Your kids are not fundamentally good, no matter how much you love them. I know your little Susie is the best thing in the world. I know little Johnny, he's just amazing. But they were born with an instinct to want to do the wrong thing. Nobody had to teach them to say no. No one had to teach them to sneak or hide things behind your back or take things they shouldn't take or break things they shouldn't break. I can keep venting here. I can get this. This is very cathartic for me. No one had to teach them that. They figured it out on their own. You want to know how they figured it out? Because they are hardwired. Every single one of them, because they're just like you and I, they're hardwired with a spiritual corruption called sin. You and I and your kids were born with an instinct to ignore God, God's rules, to ignore you and your rules. They want to do the wrong thing. They will test boundaries because they have this deep-seated thing in them at a spiritual level called sin. And what sin does in every one of us is it makes us want to break the rules. If you give them a rule, they're going to want to break it. Because their little brain says, if that's a rule and I break it, good things are going to happen. It would be cooler. It'd be more fun. My parents are holding me back from some experience. I've done this. And the little sin inside of me creeps out. I saw a sign, keep golf cart in gear. And I thought, how much more fun would it be if I took that golf cart out of gear? And so then I go zipping down the mountain. Ah! And I crashed the golf cart because my brain says that sign says keeping gear. They're holding me back. And your kids have that same instinct. We, all of us have this instinct. And so what we do is we push away from God and God's rules. We push away from our parents and our parents' rules. And the end result of sin is that it wrecks our lives. It destroys us and it leads to a forever destruction, eternal judgment. That's why it's impossible to get this thing right. How do you do it? Well, let's start at a much deeper spiritual level. So what does God do? God knows that you and I are hardwired by sin to reject him and his best way of living. And as a result, even when we were little kids, we rejected our parents and their best interests for us, right? With their, their guidance, their teaching, we pushed away from that. And so what God did was he didn't give us more rules. He came to rescue us. So God becomes one of us. Jesus takes our sin on himself, the sin judgment we deserve. He carried to the cross that when Jesus died, he died once for all, absorbing our shame, absorbing our guilt, absorbing our death sentence. And when he died, he died once for all so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven and given new life. Because Jesus not only died for us, he rose from the dead and in his resurrection, he gave us victory over the grip of sin on our life. He gave us victory over the fear of death because now we know that life doesn't end in death, but in eternal life through faith in Jesus. So when you believe that Jesus died for your sins, and he rose from the dead, he comes in our life and he gives us victory over sin, over the fear of death and over eternal judgment. Now, with that as your baseline, okay, we have to start there because parenting is hard enough. Without Jesus, it's impossible. 
That doesn't mean that there aren't good people who do a good job parenting, but it is an impossible task trying to shape the heart of your kids to become dependent on God without God at the center of your life. And so now, when God is at the center of my life, my goal is to bring God into the center of my kid's life and then slowly transfer their dependence on me to a dependence on God. So my goal is not to parent driven by fear or ego, right? It's not selfish. And I'm not just trying to help them be, you know, get a, a D1 scholarship. I'm not just trying to help them become everything they can become. My goal is that they become followers of Jesus and live out the purposes of God for their life. Okay, in light of that, let's dive into some principles that maybe we can apply to our life as we think about how we can gradually transfer the dependence of our kids on from us to God. I wanna go back to one of the earliest passages written about parenting ancient passage from the book of Deuteronomy. So it's written by Moses. It's in the fourth book of the Bible. Moses is writing, and the rest of this passage continues to talk about parenting, but he starts off with this challenge. He goes, like this, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So he's saying there's one God, and he is Lord over all. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. This might sound familiar to some of you. Some of you remember that Jesus repeated this Later, when Jesus was asked, what's the most important command? He quotes from this passage. He goes, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Okay, there's, an important, there's a couple important principles in here. The first one is this. You want to be a great parent? Start by loving God. Can I encourage you just to make a note of that? I know some of you are just going to kind of ignore that and be like, yeah, 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 okay, of course, of course. No, 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 don't go, of course, of course. The most important way for me to be a great parent is to love God. And I don't want you to love, I don't want you to show your kids that you love God so that they think you love God. I want you to actually love God so that your kids just see you loving God. But it has to start with you loving God. Others of you, you're an influencer. You're a mentor. You're a teacher. You're a leader. You're a business leader in the community. There's others that are watching your life. The most important thing you can do in your life is simply love God. Love God. Is God at the center of your heart? Is God at the center of your motivation when, when we're reading that passage in Deuteronomy, it says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Are, are you loving God with, with are you half-hearted in your love for God? Your kids will pick up on that. And they will grow up with a half-hearted love for God. Do you love God with all of your strength? Or do you give your best self to the stuff you enjoy, your, ho your hobbies and your habits and your work? And then you give God leftovers. What about your soul, your, your desires, your, your agenda? Is God at the center of your focus? So he, here's the thing, right? Uh, even getting involved in the church, do you know that if mom and dad both go to church, 72% of kids that grew up in a home where mom and dad both go to church will end up going to church regularly. Why? Because it's what's caught, not what's taught. If only dad goes to church, 55% of kids will end up in church. 
if only mom goes to church, 15% of kids will end up in the church. And if neither mom nor dad goes to church, only 6% of kids will ever end up in the church. It's what's taught, not what's taught. Is God at the center of your life? Do you simply love God? Can I encourage you? You wanna be a great parent? Love God more. Just fall in love with Jesus, and by virtue of you loving Jesus, I promise you, your parenting will improve. Now, I wanna get to a next step here, because uh, in that passage, what he said was now, Teach these to your children, impress them into their lives. So what's another principle? It's this, lead by example. What do I mean by leading by example? Again, it's what's caught, not what's taught. It's what you're doing, not what you're teaching, right? Your kids will learn what you say, but they will become what you are. And so one of the things I teach our leaders at LifeHouse is I said, live it before you lead it. Don't, ex- don't just tell people what to do. You do it first. Show them and then invite them to do it with you, right? What's the basic teaching model? Watch me do. We talk about it. We do together. We talk about it. You do. I watch. We talk about it. And then finally, you're going to do. Someone else is going to watch. And you guys are going to talk about it. This is leading by example. And so anything, when it comes to my kids, I want to show it to them first. And so some of you, you're scared to let your kids see the messy stuff. My wife and I have taken, uh, whether intentionally or not, we've taken a very different approach. We've kind of been very vulnerable at letting our kids see the messy side of life. How are our kids ever gonna know how to apologize to each other unless they watch us apologize? How are they ever gonna learn how to repent before God unless they watch us repent? How are they gonna ever watch, learn good conflict resolution skills unless we show them good conflict resolution skills? You with me so far? So some of you are a little scared, you're a little embarrassed, you're, you're afraid of letting them in to the messy stuff. I t- we take just the opposite approach. We say, no, no, we're gonna live this right out in front of you because we have to lead by example. I want my kids to see daddy praying, see me in the word, see me in worship, watch us give, watch us serve, watch us live out our faith, watch us as my wife and I navigate through marriage, work through difficulties, navigate through the pains and the sufferings and the the challenges of life. Let them see how you can bring your faith into every situation, right? You lead by example. What are you leading? By example, be willing to live it in front of them, but live it well. So the first key to great parenting is love God and then make sure that you're living it right. Live it well, get it right in your heart. Let's start making steps in our own life that we're living it before we're leading our kids in it. Another passage I wanna give you is this. I'm gonna jump back to this passage in Ephesians. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So I want to give this to both parents and to kids. Parents, lead with God's authority. I'd love for you to make a note of that. Let me, let me give both sides of it. Mom and dad. Mom, you're a single mom. Dad, you're a single dad. Whatever the situation is, you have been given God's authority to lead in your home. Kids, Your parents are God's authority in your life. I don't know what circumstances brought you to the place of becoming a parent. Some of you willingly became foster parents. 
and you've invited kids in your home. Some of you are adoptive parents. You brought kids in your home. Some of you, you're biological parents. Some of you, you went, whoops, and you got kids, right? Regardless of the circumstances, children are not a mistake or an accident. They're a gift from God. Okay, and you have a gift in your life, which means this. Now you have a responsibility to become God's authority in their life. And if they don't learn how to honor your authority, they won't honor any authority. And they will not honor God's authority. So you must teach them to honor your authority. So let me speak to kids here. You got young people, we've got younger kids, we've got teenagers here at each of our campuses. We have young people here. Your parents are God's authority in your life. To disregard them or to dishonor them is to dishonor God. Some of our young people, they just need to grow in a fear of and a love of God. Young people, if you're struggling with uh, obeying your parents, this really is a heart issue between you and God. And so this is gonna begin by you having your heart right with God. If, I, if I'm gonna do what God wants, then I have to obey my parents. But mom and dad, some of you, you've abdicated your responsibility and then you're wondering why your kids don't listen. I wanna challenge you with this. If you are God's authority in your home, stop letting your kids lead. Stop asking them for permission. Stop asking them all the time what they want to do. You're not gonna ask them if they want to come to church. Some, I, I, and again, I, I'm trying to be careful here, but I really wanna speak clearly to you. If you're God's authority, do not leave significant life decisions, meaning decisions at a young age that will affect them into adulthood. Don't leave those decisions up to them. You hear me? You, you, you bring them to church whether they want to come to church or not. No, you will come with me. You're not, gonna, you're, not, you're not like being hard on them. You're inviting them. You're bringing them. This is what we do as a family, and you're teaching them. You're leading them. There's other major life decisions that you don't just leave up to them, all right? You have a responsibility to guide them in what is best. Teach them. Guide them. You're God's authority in their life, which means... I don't, that, the passage I read, do not exasp, exasperate them. Don't, you know, don't wear them down, but you do have to guide them into God's best. Be God's authority in their life. God gave you the gift and the responsibility of parenting. So carry the weight of God's authority, which also means that you have to carry it in love, which, which I want to give you this one, right? Which means to show them God's love. If I have God's authority, then I have to be, I'm responsible to show the love of God. When you look at the way Jesus interacted with children, there's this moment where uh, parents are bringing their kids to Jesus to bless them. And there's three things you notice about what Jesus did. Jesus held them, right? You wanna show them the love of God? Do you know that your kids need physical touch? They need a lot of physical touch. Preteen girls, Need, I can't remember the exact statistic, but basically they're saying like they need five times more physical touch than they needed before they were preteens. You need it, meaning you need to up your game five times. Hug them, hold them, embrace them. Like they might push away, but you gotta hold them. You gotta, you gotta love on them, lavish on them. That doesn't mean that boys need it less. 
right? Or, or the, it doesn't mean that they don't need touch. It just means that they need it in a different way. Yes, you can wrestle with your boys. Like, I'm not trying to be stereotypical. I'm saying kids need to be touched. They need to be held. So touch them in a loving way. Spend time with them. Jesus brought them close. He said, you know, he, he said, no, no, don't forbid the kid, ch- children to come to me. Some of you, you're spending so much time on your computer, on your phone, that you're forbidding your kids to come to you. One of the most powerful things you can do is turn off your phone, put it down, close the computer, get off Facebook, shut down social media, and just give your kids your attention. You want to know how kids hear I love you? Time and attention. Listen to them. In fact, that's, that's the third piece I would say is the third thing, you know, Jesus is blessing them. Speak life into your kids. Listen to your kids. Understand where they're at. Spend time having real conversations with them. Guide them. And not only invite them into your world, but allow them to invite you into their world. You'll be amazed at what your kids will share if you'll just listen to them. And then as you guide them and you teach them and you, you lead them in the way of God, you're gonna be amazed at how, much, how open they are to that instruction. Show them God's love. And then I'm gonna give you a final, I'm gonna read this passage, give you a final challenge as we're talking about parenting. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Okay, the key would be this. Discipline is correction in love. I think, unfortunately, in our culture, we fall into one of two extremes. Either crazy harsh, and you get families where kids are being abused, or to permissive parents who are allowing the kids to run the home and tell them what they're going to do. But that's not what you see biblically. He says, fathers, don't exasperate your kids. Don't beat them down, humiliate them, but discipline them in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And so the, 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 the word of God brings two concepts together, love and correction, love and discipline. And, and this idea of discipline means both strict discipline and training or guidance, verbal coaching. Guiding them, so you're both giving them strict discipline and you're coaching them in the way of life. All right, and so what that means is yes, you have to correct your kids. The Word word of God says that God disciplines those he loves. A parent disciplines in love. A parent who doesn't discipline is not loving their child. It's like, Letting a child play in the road, you're not putting any boundaries up. If I love my child, I'm gonna protect them, I'm gonna discipline them, I'm gonna put boundaries of yes and no in their life so that they know when this is not acceptable. Parents, I'm gonna give you some simple parameters. Your kids should be first time listeners. When you speak, they should listen. I get it, I have little boys at home. I'm not trying to be ignorant here. But our goal is to discipline our kids so that when we speak, they listen. So this takes time, we have to coach them. Our expectation is that when I tell you to do something, you do it. And if you don't, you're going to get disciplined. You're gonna get strict discipline and training. We're gonna correct you, and then we're gonna teach you why you're getting that behavior, right? So our responsibility is to teach them to be first-time listeners, and so that as they grow, so here's the goal, right? I am slowly, gradually handing off their need for me to constantly discipline them over to God. So as my kids get older, 
I want to know that they're, they're here, they're spending time alone with God, that they're becoming more dependent on God's guidance. They're, they're trusting God for the instruction in their life. They don't only need mommy and daddy to speak into it. We're disciplining them so over time, we're discipling them to listen to the way of God in their life. Okay. So look, parents, the most significant thing you may ever do is not something you accomplish, but someone you raise. I want you to discipline them, not for your reputation, but toward relationship, so that they want to be with you when they no longer have to be with you. Parenting is not about you, but about your kid's heart, their attitude, not their actions. So I get it, this is tough stuff. So I wanna take a moment, I'm gonna pray over you, but before I do, I wanna remind every one of you that God loves you so much that God stepped from his world into our world to rescue us from the powerful force of sin that had wrecked our life and set us up for an eternal death sentence. God loves you that much. He is a loving father. God loves you in a perfect way. He wants to forgive you of sin and he wants to give you new life. And that might be your beginning point right now. For you, the starting point in your life might be saying yes to Jesus, believing in him by faith. You're a mom and dad here. You're an influencer here. And your step may be to take your faith and build on that by now taking on the responsibility of gradually shifting your kid's focus from needing you to needing God. So I know you need prayer. I know Laura and I need prayer, and so I know you need prayer, so I'll take a moment and just pray over you. Heavenly Father, thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die on a cross, to rise from the dead, to give us new life. And God, there are some right now at each of our campuses that are receiving that new life through faith in Jesus Christ. And I know that there are a lot of parents here, some who struggle with insecurity and fear and doubt and worry. So Lord, I pray that you would lift those fears and those insecurities and give hope that they can just love their kids and love you more. God, that you'd strengthen them with good parenting. And God, we're believing right now that every child that's represented within LifeHouse and within this surrounding region, we're praying for these kids that they would grow to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that at a young age, each of them would say yes to Jesus Christ God, we love you. We thank you for the privilege we have of being parents. We say this now in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from LifeHouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.